What's up, everybody? So this episode contains some heavy subjects, like the Vince McMahon. We didn't go through the lawsuit, but we talk about it. So if that stuff triggers you, please wait and hear this sound. I will say this. It was the last thing we talked about. But when you hear this, it means it's because we're going to start talking about it. So look out for that sound. Once you hear that, if that could, that stuff, you don't like that stuff, please turn it off. Um, mental health is very important to me, and I'd rather you guys have a good day and not let something like this mess up your day. But have a great day, guys. Make sure you follow me, Punch the Mouth Official on Instagram, official underscore PITM on Twitter. Peace. Everybody, I hope everybody is well. Guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. Today might be a heavy one because we have to talk about the Vince McMahon scandal here. Because I know that's gonna trigger some people when you hear this noise, and I'm gonna say it again in the intro, but when you hear this noise, that means it's gonna start the portion where we talk about this candle and i hope you guys are okay with that if not it's fine i do apologize but i feel like if i don't talk about this um i'm not doing my job you know and i'm not doing it to get clicks i'm just doing it because as much as everybody wants to say it doesn't it kind of in a way reflects the mma world because it is a brand new company in tko that the ufc is a part of so I feel it is our duty to cover the story. But before then, let's get to the big news. Kayla Harrison has officially signed with the UFC. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, I find it weird because Don Davis was talking that he they were going to do her and Chris Cyborg. They couldn't come to an agreement for February 25th. Now we all know why. I don't know. If the decision to let Kayla go happen after that interview or if it had already happened, they just couldn't say anything until the UFC announced it. But everything I've said beforehand with why on earth would Chris and Kayla go to the UFC, that's all void now. Because with the rumors that Amanda Nunes might return, it's all void. Again, also the fact that Kayla is going to go at 135 pounds. It's all void because I'm going to be honest with you guys. She's going to be 34 in June. She's only two years older than me. I'm going to be 31 in March. I don't know if she like, can she do the weight cut? Probably. Is it going to hinder her performance? I'm going to tell you guys something. I was going to say this for a YouTube video, but I'm going to tell you guys something. You guys remember Larissa Pacheco? 
She is the current PFL featherweight champion. Now, first of all, poor girl, she's the real loser in this one because I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, her and Chris Cyborg are the fight in the PFL now. And Chris herself is even saying it's time for her to go back to the UFC to fight Amanda Nunes, which is fine. But if the PFL smarter, they'll be like, okay, we'll do it. But you have to do it. I don't know. I want to say it's about four fights that are left on Chris's deal. I don't know if that's true. I'm telling you guys, I think it's four fights that are left on her deal. And my point is, if the PFL smart, they'll be like, okay, let's do a three, a best of three series. If you win twice, you're out of the, out of the contract and you can go sign with the UFC. Are they going to do that? I don't know, but. I don't see anybody besides Larissa Pacheco of interest for Chris Cyborg in the PFL. And again, we we got to it last time. Chris Cyborg getting up there in age. I believe she's going to be 38 this year. She's not going to be doing it for very much longer. If her final destination is the UFC, she can't make 135. It was hard for her to make 140. And Kayla is twice her size, but according to Dana White, Kayla Harrison has done weight cuts. But my reasoning for bringing up Larissa Pacheco, and I don't know if a lot of you know this, but Larissa used to be in the UFC. She was actually part of the Ultimate Fighter, Team Whitaker versus Team Gastelum. The final Ultimate Fighter that was on the Fox Network. She actually ended up losing to Jessica Andrade. I, I don't know if that was her only UFC fight, but that was one of the UFC fights. Let's see if I can find it. The point being is, Larissa Pacheco, she fights at 155-145. And these fights took place at 135. So we've seen this happen already before. So my question becomes, of course, Kayla has very different skill sets, right? Like, nobody's denying that. But, and look, Larissa's only going to be 30 this year, bro. When's her birthday? In September. Look, she fought twice in the UFC. The first fight she lost was against Jessica Andrade. She got guillotined. That was at what weight class? 135, because you guys remember Valid Ishmael? He has jungle fights, of course. That's where most of these Brazilian fighters come from. Like, that's the regional promotion for them. And Valid is very smart when he does business because he becomes a lot of these Brazilian UFC fighters. Managers, um, you had Paulo Costa come through there. You had um, that knockout artist chick that Tatiana Suarez is going to fight. I can never remember her name. She just fought for the belt. What's her name? Jessica Andrade beat her. People are losing their minds right now, screaming at the radio. <laughs> Amanda Lemos, I got it, guys. I got it. I got it. Leave me alone. I got it. And talking about Jessica Andrade, they just announced her fight. She's going to fight Marina Rodriguez at UFC 300. And that is very surprising to me because I thought they were homies, but I guess not. But okay, my point is, Larissa Pacheco, we already seen this with her, but at least Larissa had fought at Bantamweight before. I, be I don't believe Kayla has ever fought at Bantamweight. 
Because I do remember the lowest this girl has fought at is 140. She was fighting regional talent. Because do you guys remember when the pandemic hit, PFL didn't have a season, but they had to honor her contract somehow. So they let her fight. She was going to fight in Titan FC, but she didn't end up fighting there. She ended up fighting somewhere else. She was going to fight there after she fought somewhere else. Where did she fight? Oh, my God. I cannot remember. She fought an Invicta. She fought Courtney King. And then she was going to fight in Titan FC, but it didn't happen. But look, lightweight debut since her debut. And then she fought. She fought at featherweight. She fought at featherweight. And then she fought. Who was it that she fought? This was not her featherweight debut against Courtney King. That's a, that's a lie because it was not at 145. It was at 140. It was, This was a catchweight. Because I think at this time she was already trying to figure out if she was going to return to the UFC. And look, even her last fight against Aspen Ladd was a catchweight of 150. But I don't know if it's because Aspen Ladd didn't make the weight. Let's see if it'll tell me. And right here it was weird because it says a woman featherweight belt between 2019 and 2021 PFL lightweight champion Kayla Harrison and former Bellator women's featherweight champion Julia Bo is expected to take place at the event. However, Bud was removed from the fight because she refused to fulfill her contractual obligations and was replaced by Aspen Ladd at a catchweight of 150. Now, I don't know what happened. I heard she got sick. Let me see if I do a quick search, if it'll tell me. And it must be bad because listen to this. Julia Budd released after removal from 2023 PFL Championships. Julia Budd is no longer under the PFL roster or on the PFL roster. The former Bellator champion was scheduled to beat against Kayla Harrison at the 2023 PFL Championships on November 24th. According to an official press release from the PFL, Budd refused to fulfill the contractual obligations and was removed from the belt. A day following the announcement of her removal from the fight against Harrison, PFL decided to cut ties with Bud's PFL CEO Peter Murray told MMA Fighting that Bud did not sign her battle agreement consistent with her contract. I don't know what. That's weird. That's weird because people are going to interpret that, oh, oh, she was scared. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I will say this. Oh, I didn't know the PFL versus Bellator and UFC Fight Night Mexico were going to go head. Well, they're not really going to go head to head because the champions card will be in the mid to late afternoon. It should be over by like five o'clock right when the UFC card is starting. So that should be fun. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But my point in saying all of this, we've never seen Kayla fight at. 135. We seen Laresa do it. And look, she got KO'd by Jermaine Durand to me, and she got stopped by Jessica Andrade. And Laresa Pacheco's like, she's legit. Now you're going to come and tell me, well, she's fighting third rate competition. I understand that, but now the question becomes. I guarantee you she gives a lot of those featherweights in the UFC a hard time. I guarantee it. 
Could it be that she felt that there was nowhere for her to go? And the problem is that Kayla wants to know she's the best. And the competition would be at 135 for her because you have Juliana Pena there. Can you can you imagine a fight between her and Kayla Harrison? I mean, that'll bring the UFC money. But what I don't want, because I'm always fucking looking stupid is Kayla goes in there and she doesn't look that great and then people go like oh it's because she was fighting in the other league I'm like no you fucking idiot it's because she's depleting herself she should be fighting at featherweight if anything because let me tell you something she's fought at one she looked good at 150 she looked good at 140 and I'm pretty sure she could she make 145 pretty easily 135 even though she makes it like what long-term damage is it gonna have if she can like in the sense of are you gonna be able to take a shot better are you gonna be able to hold people down the way you do at 155 all that matters i understand the girls are smaller but they're also faster like all that matters and i just hope she understands all that you know i hope she does but let, let's get to this thing here now, man. So congratulations to Kayla, UFC 300. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that um headlines the prelims to entice the fans, you know. And remember, you you already got Davidson Figueredo and Cody Garbrandt. They might headline the prelims or be the pay-per-view opener. But let's go to this. To UFC 300. So remember last week when I said, okay, you have Justin versus Max, and then you have Charles versus Armin. Remember, now originally on one of the Fox cards, it was headlined by Leona Machida. I mean, not Leona, Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Brandon Vera. Originally, it was supposed to be Hector Lumbar and um, Brian Stan. It says, because Bader and Lyoto were so high ranked at the time, Dana White came up with this idea. Okay, whoever looks the most dominant in their in their fight will get the title shot. You have the same scenario here, bro. At UFC 300 with Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje and Armin versus Charles. Like, well, what if Charles goes out there and chokes out Armin, but yet... Max or Justin knock one each other out within the two minutes of the first round. What are you going to do then? You got to give Islam somebody. If they're going to do Saudi Arabia in June, you know they're going to want Islam. You know they're going to want Islam. So what are you going to do? And then now there's rumors that Connor will fight Mike Chandler at UFC 300. And then Nate's throwing shade by saying that he wants to be on UFC 300. It's a mess, bro, but I'm here for it. Honestly, I am. I'm already excited with all the fights that they've announced. Um, Yeah, man, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay. Now it's the dark portion of the podcast. Hopefully the next episode will have all light subjects because I've had fun today so far with you guys but we gotta cover this man Ari Emanuel reportedly expected to eradicate anything to, to protect businesses like WWE so for those that don't know um back in 2022 Vince this is before the sale to Endeavor 
not like it, it looked like the Wall Street Journal posted an article about sexual misconduct of Vince McMahon that forced him to step down. And then the sale goes through and Endeavor, Endeavor creates TKO. And now Vince was back like in a power because he was on the board. But now the same the, the same reason he left originally like a year prior, more details came out about it. Okay, it goes, last Thursday, I saw WWE rocked with a lawsuit filed against the company's Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. Following allegations of sexual assault, exploitation, and trafficking. Now, I want to look up, we're going to look up the definition of sex trafficking because when you think of sex trafficking, you think of people in the back of the bus. Okay, this is the definition from Google. The action or practice of illegally transporting people from one country or area to another for the purpose of sexual exploitation. Okay. They said for sex trafficking in the lawsuit because allegedly what Vince would do is tell this girl like, yo, this guy wants some. So he would send this girl. WWE parent organization TKO group holdings addressed the allegations in a statement and McMahon later resigned from his positions with both companies. Reporting on the matter, PW Insider noted Noted that those thinking Ari Emanuel could feel somewhat benefited by McMahon's allegations would be wrong, considering he's not only bought WWE, but had his daughter working in the headquarters. Dude, that sucks. So, could this have been going on? Well, no, because... So, how long had Ari's daughter been in the HQ? No, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't do anything to Ari's daughter because, first of all, Vince McMahon is worth a Let's check out how much Ari Emanuel is worth. Yeah, Vince is worth more. Vince is worth like $4 billion. But that's only because he's had the companies like WWE. And like WWE, like they just struck the Netflix deal. But okay, let's let's look at it. This isn't the first time he resigns. And... And there has where there's smoke, there has to be fire. Of course, Vince is, is should be granted the right of due process. Like if there's one thing in society that I don't like, we don't grant um people due process. Look at what happened with that band Paris. Sexual assault claims against McMahon shadows a WWE trying to move forward. Several high high profile deals have the company well positioned for years to come, but legal entanglements involving Vince McMahon, its former longtime leader, are not going away. There's another say Cody Rhodes emerged victorious from the World Wrestling Entertainment Royal Rumble on Saturday. Night, an annual marquee event for the company that culminates in the Battle Royal match in which 30 wrestlers enter the ring and fight it out until only one remains. It was a bombastic end to one of the most consequential and tumultuous, tumultuous weeks in WWE history. It began with the announcement on Tuesday that Netflix would pay $5 billion over the next decade for exclusive rights to the WWE flagship weekly show Raw and that Dwayne Johnson 
one of WWE's most famous wrestlers known in the ring as The Rock, would join the board of directors of its parent company, TKO Group. In the days between the Netflix deal and the Royal Rumble, however, came a stark reminder of how sordid legal entanglements from the company's recent past could reverberate in the present. See, this is not new. This is just new information that came out. You know, it's wild. And then it goes on third. Like one thing I don't want to talk about. Like, okay, I'll say it here again, guys. Like, if you heard the bell and like this stuff triggers you, please turn this off. Like, it's okay. But I, I unfortunately have to talk about this because I feel it's important. But there is, in, and I haven't read it. I don't want to read it. But everybody has said that there is files in this thing that says this poor woman was subjected to threesomes. And depending on who you talk to, they're going to say, oh, she was with it. But we don't know what these guys held over her head. I can, I'm pretty sure it happened because they're saying Vince owes this girl three $3 million. And he's ready to pay. He had to pay $14 million in all to like, I believe, including this girl, it was four girls. So stuff went down. Now, again, like I just said a few moments ago, Vince McMahon is, should be granted the right of due process before judgment is passed. But if any of this stuff is true, it's bad, man. Especially the fact that supposedly he defecated on this poor woman's head during one of those threesomes and that supposedly head of talent relations Johnny Laurinaitis was a part of one of those threesomes not on the one where he supposedly defecated allegedly allegedly I should say that allegedly not supposedly allegedly defecated on this poor woman's head I mean do what what and there's text messages released there's text messages released and like what and the dude is 78. And like you, you can't you can't scrub Vince's name from WWE. I mean, maybe in around 20 years you could because and like remember what I read earlier that Ari Emanuel's ready to clean house with anybody close to Vince? That includes Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, which I believe is horrible because that guy's the best thing that's happened to W since he became the booker. Like the booker of the main shows, not NXT. But even when he was the booker of NXT, like the hardcore fans would tell me like, dude, NXT is better than WWE. What's the common denominator here? Because WWE has gotten better over the years since he took over. Why? Because that guy, he, he knew the missing factor. Yes, Vince McMahon was a great businessman, but at his core, he was never a wrestler. Like, Triple H was. Triple H knows that missing factor. He knows what the fans want. And depending on who you talk to, they're going to tell you, oh, well, there's a million people that could probably run it, if not just as good as Triple H, if not better. But I like the way Triple H is running things, so leave it alone. Please, please, for the love of God, don't get rid of him, Ari. Do not get rid of him. That guy is the man. Um, Let's see what else, bro. 
So they're not going to be able to scrub Vince. Like, people hoping that they he gets canceled in that way. They're not going to be able to scrub Vince. Vince McMahon has stepped down from TKO, stepped down from WWE. And another telling thing that something happened, remember when Vince left, they had originally said that Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon were going to be co-CEO moving forward. And then rumors started spreading that Vince was coming back. And then Stephanie left. So there has to be some truth to these allegations because why would Stephanie leave just because her father was coming back? Like there has to be, I'm pretty sure there's some turmoil there. I don't know. I'm saying allegedly I'm, I'm speculating, right? Because why would she leave just because he was coming back? If like they say, he had no creative control, but that's all I got for you guys. Make sure you follow me, punch the mouth official on Instagram, Joe underscore PATM on Twitter. I uploaded the two videos, the news video and um, the PITM review for the UFC 297 main event. Um, if you guys can go like those at Punch Them Out TV on YouTube, it would be much appreciated. Peace, guys. Later.